Hello and welcome. This is Lights Out and away we go with the episode. With the Formula 1 podcast for fans and by fans. I'm Will and as I look across the digital garage, as always, I'm joined by my co-driver, or should I say my co-host Sam. Hello Sam, how are you? Hello Will, hello again listeners. I'm very well thanks mate, how are you? Yeah, I'm all good, thank you. A bit tired, a bit hoarse, but I'm I'm in good. And uh, yeah, how how are you? How's how was your weekend? Uh, it was okay. So as you know, well, we, I was meant to be attending a wedding with you. A good friend of ours just got married on Saturday, um, but unfortunately, my my little petri dish of a toddler got really ill uh, on Saturday, so I couldn't come. I um, was stuck at home looking after her, um, and my missus was pretty ill as well. So yeah, bit of a rubbish weekend in the end, actually. Uh, yeah, Saturday was a bit rubbish. Um, so yeah. Just basically in in full nurse mode most of it mm-hmm. uh so yeah i was very sad to miss the wedding and uh, the pictures look fantastic looked like a very nice day i'm assuming you had an excellent time yes i had a jolly old time uh, and you were <laughs> you were greatly missed i uh greatly enjoyed eating pizza so much that i on the dance floor that i spilt uh pizza oil all over my white shirt and then <laughs> was then dancing with my pizza so i had a great time uh, but I've, I've you'll be pleased to know that the stain is cut on my shirt so that's all good but yeah no oh, it was, it was i'm really time. proud of that but I, I, did, I did not make it up in time to watch the race uh, at six o'clock in the morning. Um, but I'm guessing you managed to do that? I did. I did. Yes. Um, yeah. One of the, I mean, the, the only benefit uh, from, yeah, my daughter being really ill on Saturday was that um, because we'd been up with her the night before, we were really tired. So we went to bed early and I woke up, you know, with 45 minutes to spare or something. So I even managed to watch the grid oh, wow. walk as well, um, which is, oh, as you know, is one of my yeah. favorite parts of a Grand Prix weekend. Particularly yeah, when they're like, particularly some of these like high-profile ones, where you get like real A-listers who don't know who Martin Brando is. It just makes for great tea, great telly. So, uh, yes, I did watch it. I did. It was good. And you had the great moment of uh, was it Shaquille O'Neal just saying Lewis Hamilton baby? Yeah, that was fantastic. I did think like I know I know we're, we are generally a quite a pro Lewis Hamilton podcast. So sorry if you're listening and you don't like it very much. Um, but um, I thought it was quite interesting that the number of people Martin Brundle bumped into on the grid who said they were there to support Lewis Hamilton somehow referenced Lewis Hamilton or in the case of Shaq just said Lewis Hamilton baby and then walked <laughs> off. Um, yes, uh, I thought that was quite interesting. I mean, yeah, we've talked, we've, we've done a whole podcast on Lewis before, so we won't do it here. But um, yeah, there's there's an argument that he's he's probably bigger than the sport, probably. Um, but no, anyway, we'll do that one another day um but yeah i thought I did, I did think that was quite quite interesting and i think like even martin brundle you could tell by the end he was a bit like oh my god can we just could someone just say something other than talking about lewis hamilton when we're <laughs> on the grid that'd be great um but yeah no it's good it's good good grid walk actually it's quite good fun and you also had the amazing entrance of sergio perez awkwardly standing there after being announced and the, him and the announcer just awkwardly not knowing what to do and just staring at each other that, i mean yeah, i've seen that, that clip that was that was very funny yeah, he looked incredibly awkward, didn't he, and embarrassed. And he, did, yeah, he just looked like a kid who was lost at parents' evening or something. It was really funny. Um, yeah, I think there's a, there, there are a few drivers that just aren't used to this level of pomp, I guess, with Formula One. Yeah. Uh, and one of them who ended up winning the race, we will talk about, I'm sure, at length. Um, but yeah, Checo was definitely on that list as well. He just didn't really look like he understood what was going on or why. Yeah. He looked, he looked very confused. I mean, there's a lot to talk about from this weekend. Um, and we did our preview episode to talk about some of the issues in the build-up. But there's a lot of content that's come from this weekend alone. So I think what we'll do in the first half, we'll talk about the race itself. And then in the second half, we'll sort of talk about what happened in the build-up of the weekend, uh, you know, Thursday practice or Friday practice and all that drama. And then it just as an event overall. Um, 
let's start with the race. Mm-hmm. Would you say it was your the race of the season for you? Is was it up there for you? It's up there, yeah. It's definitely top three. Um, I did enjoy Singapore quite a lot, and Silverstone was very good, and is always very good. Um, British bias, etc. But um, it, no, it was really good. I really liked it. Lots of overtakes. Some of the moves were unreal as well. Um, so I, it's not just overtakes; it's the quality of some of them was were really good. You know, you get you get some races where it's just a DRS kind of job and car behind overtakes car in front because the drag reduction system's open the straight's really long and it's a doddle but um there was actually actually quite a lot of really good racing um and to to manage to deliver that in a city center that's not been set up for a race ever or as a proper circuit i thought was really like quite quite special so yeah i know we'll we'll, we'll talk a lot about race organization f1 the rest of it but um yeah by the end of by the time the race had ended it did it kind of cemented itself in my mind as like a real success um and a very welcome addition to the calendar because it's unusual to get it's unusual to get a, a sprint a street circuit in that kind of location where the racing's really good and you see lots yeah. of overtaking. I mean you can get some great street circuits, um, you know, Monaco, etc., where like overtaking is really difficult or impossible. And then equally you get some circuits where overtaking is really easy, but you don't get the same kind of I guess atmosphere, venue, all the rest of it. And to get all of those things combined into one race in quite unusual conditions, um, yeah, made it uh, really, really good. I really enjoyed it. It was well worth getting up for in the end. So it's won you over then from being potentially what looked like a boring yeah. know, outline of what a circuit would look like on the, when everyone was sort of mocking it, looking like Spider Pig. Yep. It's it's won you over to be, you know, deserves its place on the calendar already. Absolutely. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think there are definitely some tweaks they can make to improve it. I mean, there are a few corners where they could maybe open up the apexes a little bit more and just help that might help um like closer racing and stuff in some of those sections but the straights are just about the straights are long enough without being too long to allow for proper overtakes and turn 17 which is the last turn so you know they come flying around the corner and then yeah. they, they they turn left onto the main straight and it's almost blind and like the straight itself is actually a little bit curved which again makes the start of the race quite interesting because half the cars are sort of tucked around the corner and need an extra set of lights to see when they're supposed to go um but that that turn that turn 17 was really really good like the car you could see the cars going through there like full pace really good place for overtakes we saw lewis put an amazing overtake on through that corner on gasly um and a few others like yeah it's just really, really good like really good corner and yeah in general i thought i thought the circuit um was very very good yeah there, there are a few bits i'm sure they'll look to improve but drain drain covers for example um but in general i thought it was uh yeah really good really good i really enjoyed in the highlights seeing them it was when it was they were going for the line at the end of the race. Mm. That corner across the line, they just the cars look like they're absolutely being flung around that corner. It just the speed of them is amazing. Um, I really enjoyed that. I mean, it was a very good race for overtaking. It had the the race with the second most number of overtakes this season behind and Borth. I think that was wet ones. That's why there's a lot of one yeah. uh, overtakes. I think it's beaten the record of the most overtakes in dry conditions since I think it's China. Wow. That must be pre pre-2020 because not been there for a number of years and um can you guess who had the most overtakes of any driver this weekend i can and yeah i know this one it is lewis isn't it uh, yeah, his goatedness yeah yeah his goatedness i mean yes yeah, so, i mean a lot of that was because he ended up starting quite far down getting a puncture and then coming from the back yeah. in a relatively fast car uh, over the course of the weekend but um yeah no he he did look like a bit of a man on a mission actually um I mean, he's looked like that a lot of this season. Like you and I both commented this season, he looks like he's back to his absolute peak best kind of hmm. again, um, as he was in 2020 and through most of 2021. Um, but yeah, it was yeah he was 
really, really good yesterday. Um, and yeah, some of the moves he pulled out. I mean, there are a couple. I mean, that one on Gasly in 17 was unreal. The one past Alonso as well was really brave. Oh, yeah. Um, and we know Alonso is not an easy overtake at all. Uh, just ask Checo. Um, yeah, uh, he had a really good race. Yeah, I think he made 15 overtakes, didn't get past once. He went 15-0, and 0, as the graphic told me over the course of Sunday. Um, and yeah, to pull that car up to seventh um, from from given the circumstances he found himself in in the race was um, pretty good effort. Yeah, no, the race seemed to have all. Oh, they seemed to have safety cars, had different race leaders. Uh, there seems to be drama right across the grid. Um, and yeah, Max Verstappen wins another race. <laughs> yes, uh, his nineteenth race win of the season, which is absolutely incredible. Is it nineteen? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think he's on. T- if he wins Abu Dhabi, I think this is right. I think if he wins Abu Dhabi, he not only extends the record for most victories in a row, but he also breaks the record for the most victories in a row in third place, as in the yeah. third most victories in a row in one season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just yeah, uh, the level levels of dominance. Uh, yeah, he was. I mean, he was in quite quite prickly a prickly mood all weekend actually. Yeah, I mean, we can come on to his comments before the race started in the second half, but um, he was in a prickly mood in the car in the race. Yeah. Um, because you had him winning, you had Charles go with that last lap overtake on Checo, which is, you know, Penny for Checo's thoughts. That's the second time he's lost a lap, a position on the final lap of the race. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it was a real, it was a real battle, wasn't it, between Max and Charles? What did you make of the turn one incident at the start of the race? Uh, Max being naughty, I think. I mean, he, he he says no grip, but um, I mean, I've heard him argue about that with others, particularly like George Russell. I remember earlier the season when he sort of caught him in early on in the race, and George said he had mm. no grip, and we said, and Max said, well, we know we none of us have any grip, and the same applies in this situation. They're all driving in the same circumstances, and Max is one of the more outstanding drivers on the grid. I I, I struggle to believe it was just a lack of grip that forced Charles Leclerc off. I think he was it was on purpose, and he was rightfully punished for it although the five second penalty as as always not didn't really do a huge deal what i would say is he was quite lucky to win the race in the end though max because that second safety car really benefited him um that was after lando's crash so um i think without that crash i think Charles probably wins the race handily you know maybe max gets within five to ten seconds but um yeah because of the second safety car bunching them all up the opportunity for him to come in put fresh tires on um and then all of the shenanigans with checo and, and Charles at the front Basically, all of those conditions came together very nicely to allow Max to win the race, um, what was relatively comfortably in the end. But um, yeah, without that safety car, he he wouldn't have won it, and that five second penalty would have probably um, would have probably killed his chances of winning it. Um, so yeah, yeah. On, on on paper, it looked like a pretty it was an absolute slam dunk penalty, and everyone was saying, "Oh, it's not really going to cost him very much." But when he had to serve it in the pits and came out like eighth or ninth or something with seven or eight cars to pass and quite a big big gap to Charles Leclerc. That was kind of you know, race win gone essentially at that stage. Um, but hey, another another safety car came to the rescue for him. Was that that second safety car was for when George hit him, wasn't it? Oh uh, yes, that's right. No, not not Lando. Yeah, yeah when yes, Lando was quite early on. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, second. Yeah, um, Lando was the first. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, there was, there was a couple of things I was going to say about the Max move. I mean, it's just overly aggressive, and it, there's there's no skill in enforcing some off the road like that. Like we saw it with Lewis. And I think you heard it in Charles's radio message being like, this needs to be sorted right now. Mm. And it was like, you know, it was clear. What I what I think is a real issue is the the penalty because the fact they didn't switch him and then he could serve it when he wanted to. Mm. 
it just meant that he could then benefit from being out in front and then Charles following him, which is ruining his tyres. And so Max got a benefit despite being in the wrong. I think the FIA need to go away over, over the winter and look at that rule and toughen that up because I don't think that's particularly fair to have someone dictate when they can take a penalty and then get an advantage from it or minimise the effect of the penalty. Um, you know, maybe even should have been given a, a 10 second penalty. I don't know, to, to have a real impact if he, if he wasn't going to return the position. It's either five seconds and you you return the position or it's 10 and you don't return the position because then, you know, then, then you're incentivized to take the five second. But yeah, I, I really hope they go away and have a think about that. And also I really hope that if Max starts to do this more often when he's got more competition for wins, that the FAA really come down hard on it because... You know, he can't be allowed to to be behave like that. You know, if that was Lewis behaving like that, I'd call that out and say that's unacceptable. And I thought, I thought it was a really poor start to the race for a, a world champion to to be driving like that. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I mean, he's he's got it in the locker, isn't he? We've seen him make that move quite a few times and force people off. We remember very well that it, it often was Lewis in twenty twenty one, but it was he's done it to other drivers um, the last couple of years as well. Um, and yeah, it was pretty, pretty unnecessary. I thought, um, did you hear what he said on the radio after he'd been told he got the five second penalty, by the way? He said, what was it? He, he said, said is it- thanks. Send them my regards. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I heard him then say like, Oh, you know, we're happy to do whatever you want. If you want to hand the position back, you know, we're happy to like your decision, which obviously means they obviously knew what he was going to do. So they were happy with that, but I, yeah, classic max. Yeah. Um, we should talk about Charles. Very impressive performance, really. He probably did everything he could to win the race, really. Yep. And it probably came down to luck with the, the second safety car benefiting Max. Yep. Max also not taking the penalty when he probably should have done. Um, and just maybe slightly car performance. Was the Red Bull just slightly... that Was Max's Red Bull just that slightly bit quicker than uh, Charles? I don't know. I don't know. I, th- I think Charles was incredibly unlucky, um, as, as he seemingly always has been. I mean, we, we did a whole... Uh, we could do a whole episode on the various bits of misfortune mm. that have befallen him this season um, and last. Uh, no, I don't think so. They were very, very closely matched. Um, even on the race pace, I thought they were very closely matched. Um, and yeah, without even yeah without the safety car coming out the second time round, Charles wins the race relatively easily. And I think as well, maybe with more laps, we could have seen and you know a, a slightly different tire differential because Max obviously got the benefit and got to put new tires on. I think if they'd had the same tires, we may have seen Charles fight back a bit more. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, it's, it was more misfortune than, than necessarily, you know, being totally outperformed by Max and Red Bull. I think like in a straight fight, you know, it's pretty close. Maybe Max comes out on top, but it's, it's not a done deal at all. And Shaw was on a mission <laughs> this weekend. I mean, we'll get to the overtake, I'm sure on Jekko in a minute, but, um, I don't think he'd have been an easy pass at all. And he demonstrated his, his capability to come back. I mean, he took, he took Checo again and that, you know, Checo, albeit driving with a slightly draggier car with a bigger wing on it, um, is still driving a Red Bull and he managed to get past him. So I, I think I would have fancied him to put up a pretty good fight with Max and we'd have seen quite a close battle um, were it for that unfortunate tie differential following the safety car. Um, but no, he was he was outstanding a weekend, Leclerc. I mean, I said to you on the pod last week, didn't I, that I fancied him to be in the mix for a win. Um, and for, you know, Ferrari generally that's the kind of track that does favor them i mean charles and carlos Sainz qualified p1 and 2 on the road and then Sainz got the penalty which we will come to listener uh, if you're a ferrari or science fan um yeah they, they they clearly had a very competitive package but yeah charles was just the best all through the weekend quickest through the practices quickest in quality and then yeah really good in the race and just just really unlucky really yeah no he, 
He was a. Uh, it was really good, and I really enjoyed his overtake on Char- on Checo oh. at, on the final lap. I mean, it looks like a straightforward pass, but actually, I think it's actually a really difficult one because of the speed he's traveling in the toe, and then he breaks. He breaks so late, mm. and I think he, I think he pulls like seven G, which is just an insane amount going into you know for a corner like that. Um, and he and we'd seen that coming. His sort of late breaking with Max. He'd, he'd done when him and Max were side 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 by side earlier in the race at that same corner. You see Max pull ahead, and then you see Charles just be so much late on the braking and manage, and you know they go into the corner. I think he had to yield mm. a little bit, but um, yeah, that 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 last lap overtake was 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 really really impressive. Um, did did you enjoy it as well? Yeah, it was brilliant. I I didn't like cheer too loudly because it was still pretty early in the morning. <laughs> um, but no, I was I was really pleased for him. I'd have been a bit gutted for Shell finishing third and have to finish behind both Red Bulls given the performance he put in all weekend. So for yeah, for yeah, for him to get that second place, um, and the the move was so good, as you say. I mean, he, he breaks so late there. It's just on old tires towards the end of the race. I mean, fair fair play. He puts a lot of trust in Checo not to not to just drive into him there, uh, and Checo did well to to avoid him. But um, yeah, it was kind of like it was like peak peak Charles Leclerc, kind of peak Daniel Ricciardo when he was absolutely at his absolute best as well. Just like send it, yeah, mm. stamp, send it, hit the brake as hard as you can. Hope you don't have a crash, and if you don't, you pull off a great maneuver. So he did, yeah, really good, yeah, yeah it's just fantastic. Um, it's nice, it's nice to see him. I mean, he's had a really good. I feel like his, like from a performance perspective, he's been like right up there the last like couple of months. He's been very yeah. unlucky in a lot of cases, uh, and this weekend was absolutely no different. But he's getting, it feels like he's getting more reward for his his talent now, which is nice. Yeah, he's been on a good run of form mm. over the last few weeks, um, which is which is good to see. Uh, and like I say, he's had a bit of pretty periods of up, ups and downs um i should just say checo he wasn't to blame for the overtake i think he was obviously took that position going into that final corner to line up to his line for going into the final bit and so he kept that's why he kept it wide he could, but if he defended and closed off the inside like i think it would have massively compromised him going into the final so he's kind of he was in a tricky position really he just you sometimes you just you just there's not much you can do when you're being attacked like that and you're kind of being made to put in that decision uh position by by some of that um yeah, no, Checo, he seems to have stabilised a bit as well. He's had a couple of good weekends. No yeah. no errors. Cemented second in the championship now as well. The the Hamilton finishing oh. second in the, in the standings as the dream has died. Um, oh, that's a shame. Yeah, it is a shame. It's a street circuit, so of course Checo is going to turn up. Um, yeah, he had a pretty strong weekend. I mean, he didn't qualify brilliantly at all, but um, I don't know, it didn't seem like that was massively his fault. I think he got held up in traffic mm. along with a few others. Um and then obviously got caught up in all the shenanigans into turn one at the beginning as well. So, yeah, but he drove a really good race. I think like Red Bull strategy was just on it as well. As soon as that first safety car came out, they pitted him, put him in a really clean uh, load of clean air, nice window to close the gap. And yeah, without the without the second safety car, Checo was in a really strong position. And it turned out he was still in a really strong position even afterwards. He managed to build enough gap that he could come in again and take advantage. I think if Checo was going to be annoyed about anything, I'd probably he'd probably be more annoyed about. Um, coughing up the lead the first time round to Leclerc after he'd overtaken him because yeah. if he'd done the old Carlos Sainz DRS Bantz trick, um, he might have been able to keep Leclerc in second place and stop Max from getting past, but he didn't. Um, instead, he, he coughed up first place. He left the, left the door wide open for Charles. I don't quite know why. It's almost like he didn't expect him to make a move. I think Charles knew the only the only hope he had was to get back in front. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's the one he'll be more disappointed about than the last lap. You know, you can't really account for Charles just deciding, screw it, I'm sending it. <laughs> if you crash, you crash, like so be it. Um, yeah, the first one I actually think was a bit more of an error from him, but still, yeah, strong weekend uh, on a circuit that probably does suit him quite nicely. 
Um, and yeah, he's cemented second in the championship. Although I say he's cemented second in the championship, the points difference is I'm just going to have a quick look here. Just, uh, how about how good's my maths? Okay, so I mean it's nearly 300 points. <laughs> the difference what, between between Max and Checo. So Max is on 549, Checo's on 273. Wow. So it could wow. it could be 300 by the time the next race comes around. If Checo wow. has a DNF and Max wins, it's 300 points. And that's more than any other driver has got total this season. Crazy. Astounding. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. On drivers not expecting someone to be there, George Russell yeah. didn't, didn't didn't have a good one. I don't know. He seemed to be, be quite by surprised by how quickly Max gained on him and then turned in and sort of picked up damage and sort of damaged Max as well. Although I don't think it did any damage to Max losing some of his front, front end plates, such as the aerodynamics on that car mm. um he did put his hands up and say he was to blame for it but well obviously and, yeah i mean he didn't, yeah well no, you know there's probably a world in which you know we could have seen george trying not to uh to defend himself and, and probably saying it was someone else to blame but at least took responsibility for it yeah um just just another just another sign that he's in poor form right yeah it was a bit clumsy i think um i mean the visibility in the cars isn't great someone happy is it it's not someone happy driving making that kind of mistake no it's quite a a rash error mistake which you would make if you're on the peak of your powers and you no no it's cost him it has cost him you know like that's that was another really good opportunity this weekend where uh i'll talk about mercedes in more detail in a moment but where he qualifies pretty well puts the car and where did he qualify? Fourth? Third? Yeah. Oh, he ended up, ended up third, didn't he? Because of the science penalty. Yeah, so he starts yeah. P3 in a really strong position in, in, in a Mercedes that I think was actually really competitive this weekend compared to where they were in Brazil, which was absolutely nowhere. The car was really competitive and in a good place, as we've talked about with Lewis getting all the way up to seventh and despite punctures and God knows what else. Um, yeah, there was an opportunity there for, for, for George to finish at least fourth, maybe higher. Um and you know, certainly an opportunity for him to beat his teammate. And now here we are after a pretty strong weekend, and he's still finished behind Lewis in the standings because he made a mistake and drove into the side of Verstappen. Um, yeah, it's just a bit clumsy. And I think, yeah, like he he needs the winter. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Um, he needs some time off. I think um, come back again next year and regain some focus and and think about some areas to improve. But I think that's probably true of all of Mercedes. Who uh, you'll be pleased to hear or won't be pleased to hear as a Mercedes fan. I have awarded a Latifi for this weekend. Oh wow, your consecutive Latifi to them. Yeah, so last last time I gave him a Latifi just for a terrible weekend from a performance perspective. Like that absolutely nowhere. Um neither driver was happy. It felt like a really wasted opportunity on a on a circuit that they've historically performed really well at. Um this weekend I'm giving it to them for for, for a number of different factors. I mean, you know, there weren't a, an absolute myriad of potential Latifis to be awarded, I think, this weekend. Like, generally speaking, most of the teams performed okay. I mean, there are a few drivers that had a few issues, but not, nothing that warranted a kind of calling them out kind of issue. But for Mercedes, I just feel like from from top to bottom, it was just a bit of a weird weekend, quite a poor one in general. Lewis aside, um, I feel like we said that a few times this year. I think I'll, so I'll start with Toto. Who? So after the stuff that happened on Thursday... There was an awful lot of criticism. We're going to talk about it in that second half, listener, because there's quite a lot to get into there. But all the stuff that happened on Thursday and Toto came out and was, I think, pretty tone deaf about what had happened. Like It was almost like he'd forgotten that there were fans and that people had paid money to turn up on that <laughs> Thursday. And he just came out like massively kind of company man territory where he was just like defending Formula One, said it wasn't a real issue, slapped down Fred Vasseur for being really upset about the fact that his driver like could have been really seriously hurt by that. 
uh, drain cover and the fact that it's cost them probably millions of pounds worth in damage and a penalty in the race whilst they're all fighting for second place. There's a rumour doing the rounds that Mercedes refused to let Ferrari off that particular penalty. Um, I don't know if that's true, but if it is, again, poor, you know? I don't know. I think it's pretty poor. Um, and then, yeah, and then there's just a, cat- a catalogue of issues throughout the race. So Lewis um, got put into a really poor qualifying window. So he was stuck behind Lance Stroll in qualifying, couldn't put a good lap in and ended up qualifying in 11th promoted to p10 because of uh, science's penalty um and that just really cost them because lewis was absolutely on it all weekend like in the quality in the practices and stuff like they hooked the car up the mercedes were happy like you could tell george and lewis were both really excited for the race and like when that happens this season in that car you know it must be in pretty good place right comparatively to where they've been the rest of the season um so for them to like get qualifying so wrong on a street circuit it's just really really frustrating and then they put lewis on hard tires for the start of the race and like there were a lot of circuits where i think yeah okay that makes sense sure like silverstone you know spa pick all the pick all the race circuits you want where a safety car is incredibly unlikely fine but at this one like it's a street circuit it's incredibly narrow the the, the, as we found in turn one it took three cars out um spinning around doing pirouettes it's quite a dangerous circuit as well and it was freezing cold so nobody have any temperature in their tires a safety car seemed like quite a likely outcome right in the first third of the race so putting lewis on hard tires at the start just totally totally felt a bit like unnecessarily risky like they didn't need to do that and it also cost you at the start as well it cost you like two or three meters from the start uh, lewis lost a load of places got mixed up in all that shenanigans with perez and sites and not alonso and the rest of it and totally screwed his race and it just yeah it just felt unnecessary just put him on the medium tires like everybody else and then if a safety car comes you get the benefit you shoot up the grid and then all of a sudden you've got hamilton challenging for a podium probably it just felt like a real missed opportunity and then yeah you throw in russell driving into the side of uh driving into the side of verstappen and it just it was just a really clumsy weekend and i hadn't even talked about the pit stops which for lewis were really poor again like 6.3 5 point something 11 seconds worth of pit stops um, George's wow. were better uh, and I know Lewis, one of Lewis's was bad because of a punctured tyre or semi-punctured tyre but still like it's another weekend where the pit stops have been pretty poor um, mm. and cost them a load of time yeah it was just yeah I mean there's a lot there's a lot in there but it felt like a microcosm for Mercedes season right like there were a lot of like little individual things that all added up to quite a big missed opportunity I think over the course of a weekend in a car that as I've said was quick and quite competitive um, so yeah I've awarded them Latifi twice sorry two, twice in two races I, I don't want to fair. give them a third next week. I, let's hope not. Well, they, well, they did the hat trick. I mean, it sounds like they're well deserving. There's many, there's many things that have gone wrong, and like I said, they, I quite like the analogy of it's summing up their season. Like there's things they've made mistakes as a as a team. The drivers have made mistakes, and then also they've just been a bit unlucky. You know, in qualifying mm. that's just bad. Some of it's bad luck as well. Um, yeah. Well, good job they're not fighting for a world championship at this point in the season because yeah. I think that would have been. But they're, but they're very, fighting very with Ferrari for second. That's worth tens of millions, and there's four points in it now. Yeah, yeah. Have, there's yeah, every chance yeah. Ferrari finish above them now next week. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be a big uh, big fight out next week in uh in Abu Dhabi. It needs everyone to be absolutely on it to, mm-hmm. for both teams, really, because I mean both teams have had problems with reliability or people not finishing the race or penalties or incidents. So it's kind of they both need them. We could if both four if all four drivers can be fighting against each other to. Mm. So I mean that could be quite quite exciting. Um, we should quickly cover off a few other drivers before we get to the break. Um, Lando's crash that looked pretty scary, and that looked a bit of a freak crash as well from 
well, it seems like it seems like it was a bump in the road that kind of yeah. he he didn't spot or didn't see, and that just really threw him in the car. And then he was basically a passenger for quite, quite a while into that wall. Yeah, uh, quite, quite scary. Yeah, it was a it was a nasty one. Um, it was quite weird when you when we saw it happen live because they had the camera angle and it was sort of the back end of yeah. the, of the turn. You just see a load of sparks and like a blur of yeah, orange yeah, yeah, papaya yeah. flash past, uh, and everyone wondering what Crofty, the hell's going Crofty, on. Crofty spotted it before he got called. There's a the flags away. He's like something something's happened weird there, and then they they got the replays. Then he figured out what happened. Yeah. No, it was a really nasty one. Yeah, it looked like he just caught a bump. Um, I mean, the McLaren was running pretty low anyway. Um, and a few other drivers, I think, did catch that bump, but they didn't have the same, I guess, mm. the same level of reverberation through the car. And yeah, he was he was a complete passenger as soon as he hit it. Uh, had to go to hospital, didn't they? But he seems seems like he's okay. Checked him out and said he was fine. But um, yeah. it's a bit of a shame because the McLaren pace in the race was actually pretty good, um, as as Piastri managed to demonstrate relatively late on. So yeah, it was a bit of a shame for for Lando because there was a chance there, I think, for both of them to finish in the points despite having a really, really, really poor qualifying. Um, yeah, they, the miles though, they completely got the setup wrong, didn't they? Yeah, so they got well. So they were they were screwed a little bit by all the practice stuff. So they um because they lost FP one and then in FP two when they finally did start, they had delays because they had some electrical issues in the car. So they just lost a chunk of time in FP two as well. So yeah, they got the setup wrong, uh, managed to get it right or, or make a few a few changes in t- in terms of the race. But um yeah, it wasn't wasn't a particularly good weekend for them. But yeah, like yeah, Lando, yeah, fortunately uh, was all right because yeah, it didn't look like a nice shunt that one. No, no, yeah, it was good to see it was discharged and no no major issues. Um a few other shout outs we should we should do. Uh Espanocon for finishing P fourth, mm, uh, which is really good. And also he did probably have the best one off helmets. I really enjoyed his Deadpool inspired helmet. I thought it looked really cool from when they had they shed the shots of him and he could see it looked like a Deadpool. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, no, that was really good. Um yeah, I loved his helmet. Yeah, he had a really good race, uh Ocon. I think he competed really well. Um, and he, interestingly, on a circuit where power was quite a big factor, and we know the the Alpine engine's not brilliant, um, he did a really good job. Um, it's kind of, I felt a bit bad for Gasly actually, because he he so Gasly was the unfortunate person to be overtaken with like unbelievable passes by Ocon, Hamilton, and Piastri. Um, <laughs> but Gasly qualified really well. He qualified well ahead of Ocon, and then just got put on a pants strategy <laughs> and got screwed by the safety cars. So Ocon ended up getting a massive benefit, ta- overtaking him, and then yeah, cementing himself in P4, which was a really good return for, for Alpine in terms of the championship. Um, but yes, not 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 great day for, for Gasly, but another, another classic um, street circuit drive for Esteban Ocon, who absolutely loves those, doesn't he? Like his yeah. favourite. And and another surprising result was uh, Daddy's favourite boy, yes. Lance Stroll, finishing fifth. I mean, outperformed Alonso, consecutive fifth place finish, uh, brought home points at a really important time for the team. He has discovered uh, form at just the right time. You know, those points are going to be so valuable, especially with, with Lando crashing out. We now do really have a battle for, uh, is it fourth place in the fourth, championship? Yeah. yeah, which is, you know, for ages it seemed like only a matter of time until. Um, you know, it just it seemed you know for a while that McLaren were easily going to win, finish that, but it's really going to go down to the final race now, isn't it? Yeah. So there's 11 points by, between McLaren and Aston Martin now. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. so four, four between Mercedes and Ferrari, 11. Um, yeah, Alpine are, are, are very much staying in sixth, and then it's quite interesting at the bottom as well. So you have got Williams in seventh on 28 points, AlphaTauri in eighth on 21, and they've obviously found a load of performance. Alfa Romeo. I mean, oh my god, Bottas! <laughs> I felt bad he's for Bottas. So un- he's so unlucky. He is, he's like he's the f- unluckiest driver, right? Yeah, there are a few drivers that I just 
I can't believe how bad luck, how, like how unlucky they get sometimes. And he he's on the list for sure. Uh, and then ha- yeah, has propping up the table. So yeah, there's a race to sort of not finish last. There's a race for seventh, and then yeah, race for for sort of fourth and second in the championship uh, yeah. in Abu Dhabi, which should be interesting. No, well, at least it makes it interesting uh, for the final race. Yeah. Um, and then you said Piastri had a good race as well, some good overtakes, and then he got fastest lap as well. He did get fastest lap. Yeah, he was really racy. Um, he looked really good. Um, it was unfortunate really because he went hard, hard. So he started on the hard tire as well, similar to Hamilton. Ended up with the same issue. Um, and then they were a bit unlucky when they came together. I think the pass was fine, you know, really clean overtake, but they just clashed wheels and somehow managed to both get punctures. Piastri benefited from realising his earlier and managed to get into the, the pit lane, whereas Lewis had to drive around the entire circuit with a puncture, costing himself a load of time, which was really annoying. Um, but no, Piastri had a really good uh, weekend in general, I thought. Like the qualifying position, yes, qualifying shenanigans aside, but he did out-qualify Lando, um, put in a really good performance in the race, looked really racy, made a few really nice overtakes, and yeah, but for a questionable strategy and a couple of safety cars costing him um, and a puncture, um, he'd have been top five, I think. He looked really, really good. I, I wouldn't have been surprised to see Piastri overtake Russell actually um, late in the race, but hey, not to be. Yeah. Oh well. Um, well, yeah. I think that I think that summarises our chat on the race. I'll be giving my Latifi after the break, mm. uh, and with that, we'll take a quick pit stop. Ooh, pit stop. New line for you. Yeah. yeah. New new line for you there. Very nice. Hello there, podcast friends. Uh, we've got an exclusive Black Friday deal just for you from our friends at Current Body, your go-to for all things skincare and wellness. This Black Friday, pamper yourself with 20% off on all skin products using the code BFKATEP20. That's all together, so BFKATEP20. And guess what? You can snag 10% off on everything else with the code BFKP10. So it's BFKP20 for all skin products and BFKATEP10 for everything else. Now I've personally been using their hair growth device and let me tell you, it's been a game changer for me. My hair has never looked better and I owe it all to Current Body. So treat yourself this Black Friday because you deserve it. Head over to currentbody.com and use the code BFKATP20 for that radiant skin glow or BFKATEP10 for a little bit of everything else. Trust me. We won't want to miss out on these fantastic deals. Happy shopping. Hello, welcome back from the break. Hope you had a jolly old time. So one of the main talking points from Vegas was the very first bit of the race weekend. The first, was it nine minutes of race action? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then of, of Friday practice, which was actually happening on Thursday evening in Vegas. Um, a loose drain cover. Like I said, did a little, quite a bit of damage to Ocon's, but really wrecked uh, Sainz's car. Yep. And he then had to take a 10-place penalty for it as well. There's quite a lot to digest. There's the sports response to it. There's the organisers, which is also kind of the sport as well. Um, where do you want to start with the mess that was Thursday practice or Friday practice? Um, let's. So I think let's start with the, 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 the drain cover itself. Um, mm. So I think there are a few issues. What So or a couple of issues. So one that should be acknowledged is uh, obviously this is the first time they've raced there. Um, these kind of things do often happen. The first time a race is held anywhere, there are always teething problems. I mean, this was quite a big teething problem, granted, particularly if you're a Ferrari fan or paying any of the bills uh, to get the car fixed. Um, but these things do sometimes happen. So I'm kind of in a, 
the in- on the instant itself, I'm feeling relatively forgiveful. Well, no, what's the word I'm looking for? Not forgiveful. Yeah, you're forgiving. Forgiving. I'm feeling relatively forgiving yeah. about uh, the issue itself, but the response to it, uh, no, <laughs> not not okay. so, not so, so much. I, so I so I slightly differ from you because I think they've known about this at Street Circus. Or it's happened before. It happened to Russell in Baku, yeah. so they should have checked it properly. There was no test event, so the first people to test the the track was the F1 cars. Um, and for the fact for it to happen so early on means that something has not been checked properly for that or thought about properly. Um, and then apparently the organisers were very late to sign off the circuit to say it was all ready. And I think that's just rushing. And then that's actually a real own goal for not to not have done that properly and just test it out properly. Maybe they should have had, you know, F3 out first or, you know, had an event the week before or something just to get to, te- to iron out these issues. I think it was a real... You know, it was a headline story mm. for a mega flagship five hundred million pound race that F one was the race promoter for. I thought it was a real own goal. Um but yeah, the response. So where, where do you want to start on the response? Oh, it's just so bad. Everything about it was bad. I mean they handled it really poorly. They took absolutely ages to sort it out. Mm. The communication with everybody, including but particularly the fans in this you know, in the grandstands and stuff was appalling. Uh, then they cancelled free practice one, pushed back free practice two, and then I mean, do you want to talk a bit about what they did to the fans in free practice two? Because that's probably the thing that most angered most people. Yeah. So because it happened so late, and because the security staff had worked like the limit of what their shift could have been, because it all got delayed, they then couldn't staff the grandstand. So then they had to then send home uh fans and then some grandstands didn't know if it affected them so then you had people being turfed out and there were people that had paid um for three-day weekends so for them they have three-day passes so they could go every 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 day but some people had paid uh for the thursday and they got turfed out after only seeing nine minutes um and then you say there was it took a while for a statement to come out from formula one mm-hmm. um and the first statement didn't say the word sorry and then they, I think, they put out three statements in total. And sorry, the word "sorry" did not appear. It did. It seemed to be the hardest word for F one. Um, and they put over a thousand words in these statements. And I understand why they couldn't say the word "sorry," because it meant them may would would have made them liable, and then they would have to pay for you know people could have sued them for flights and travel costs and hotels, and that's why. But it just didn't scream of a sport that was looking after its fans or showing compassion. Yeah. Then I then think offering a two hundred pound voucher to people that have missed out on seeing action at a Grand Prix where they spent a lot of money for to go and spend £200 or $200, sorry, in the store at the circuit. Like, that is, I think that's really poor. Um, It just seems a lot of the comms was tone deaf and I thought it was handled really, really poorly and it kind of screwed the fans over when that shouldn't have happened. And I think think it's a real failing of the sport. Uh, And for that, I think... You know, it's F1 with the race organisers, and they usually are very quick to criticise other race organisers and throw them under the bus and put them under pressure. Like, I think it's really unacceptable to 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 cock up that way and to be that bad at managing the fallout of something like that. Um, so yeah, for me, they they get the Latifi, and that's before I've even mentioned the uh, the science penalty, which we'll come on to in a minute. Yeah. No. Okay. I think that's fair. Yeah. I don't. I don't really disagree with much of that. Um, I mean, and they were they were very lucky that science wasn't hurt. Because it was really mm. could have been really really dangerous. That um, yeah, the two hundred dollars I think was I, I sort of 
you know, if if you're not going to offer people full refunds, don't give them a two hundred pound voucher because none of them would come back and use it anyway. And also, I don't know if you've seen how much stuff costs in those shops. Like there was a Ferrari shirt screen. There was a screenshot doing the rounds, right? There's a Ferrari shirt being sold in that shop for two hundred and sixty bucks. So your two hundred dollar no, voucher is not going to get you very far, is it's it? Not, it's not going to be much. No. Um, so I think that was really, yeah, a bit quite like, you know, disrespectful. And I think that there must, there should be ways for them to give people their money back without them being open to being sued for travel and the rest of it. Like, you know, I mean, it's slightly difficult in this situation because you could technically hold Formula One to account and the race organizers to account because it's an issue that's arisen as a result of, as you say, some pretty poor checks um, from a safety perspective. And they were rushed. Um, it certainly looked like that. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of reasons for that. None of them, I don't think, are particularly acceptable. But, um, yeah, I, I guess I'm a bit more conciliatory, I suppose, on the kind of issue itself. But, yeah, the response was just really poor. Um, and, yeah, like you, you make a really good point about race promotion and stuff because this is one of the few races on, this, on the calendar that's promo- that the promoter is Formula One. There are lots of other mm-hmm. circuits like Spa and Monaco and places where the promoters aren't Formula One and they're always under constant pressure to keep the races going and like get loads of criticism when the races have issues and stuff. And you think like Monaco that tends to happen in a pretty flawless way every year. And the only reason anyone has any issues in Spa, generally speaking, are because it's quite a dangerous circuit by its nature, despite a lot of the things that they've done there. And it chucks it down with rain pretty much every year. And you can't do anything about either of those things. Um, so, yeah, I think there'll be there'll be a lot of like, other race promoters kind of looking forward to seeing what happens next year. And if they get any <laughs> criticism, they can just be like, well, you lot were in control of the Vegas one. It didn't go particularly well, did it, for you for the first couple of days? So, yeah, I can understand why you've given the Latifi. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty bad one that. Uh, I doubt they'll make that mistake again. Um, but yeah, kind of in the same way that drivers get away with all the first lap shenanigans, I suppose maybe maybe Formula One should be should be allowed to make the occasional error on the first race yeah. when they host them. But it, but what I would say about this one is like they've handled it really poorly. They put a driver at risk. Sorry, should have been forthcoming. A, an apology mm. should have been forthcoming to the fans, to Sainz, to Ferrari, mm. um, and yeah, none none of those things have happened. And I, I, I agree with you. I understand, like you know, they're open to kind of being sued and things if they if they say certain things. But there must be a form of words that they can they can put out that yeah. that really does yeah. demonstrate some remorse, I suppose, and regret for for the decisions they've made that resulted in the issue happening. Because that is that is what was at fault. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel like I've been. And the thing that, I think that angers me is that those were the cheapest tickets if you wanted to go. Yeah, and so people have paid probably still decent money that could buy you a lot more elsewhere around the around the world if you went to an F one race, and they've you know been massively screwed over. But um, yeah, and then I, I the science penalty, I just think it shouldn't have been one, but there was no way it couldn't be one if that makes sense because yeah. the rules are black and white about that. There's no sort of force majeure. I understand why there's no sort of force majeure rule to prevent you know teams from abusing it, but that was incredibly harsh for something that was completely out of his control, caused so much damage. Yeah, and you you know you think you're Ferrari, that could have made a massive difference if that hadn't have happened for his weekend, and then ultimately you know they'd probably be ahead in the championship, the world championship right now. Yeah, um, I I I think they need to go and weigh and, and write some sort of force majeure rule into the into the rules that allows people to make that case but it, but there has to be certain criteria as well because it just seems it just seems silly and again it seems another instance this season where the rules have been seen to be out of date or been caught out and then they you know they they can't do the they can't do the common sense thing of 
not give him a penalty when something like a loose train cover absolutely destroys his car. It wasn't like he did anything. Um, I thought I thought that was incredibly harsh. Yeah, I agree with you. They they need to change the the, the regulations or the fra- the framework through which teams can can appeal for stuff because it does seem really stupid that there's no function through which common sense can be applied. Um, hmm. You know, the, the, literally the only people. I mean, the, the problem they have, I suppose, is if if they appoint someone, you know, common sense race directors are whatever not michael massey lol uh but if they did do that and then that person made a decision to not penalize science you know 99 of the fan base and 99 of everyone involved in formula one would have no issue with that but i guarantee mercedes would have put in some kind of appeal oh, yeah. for sure oh, yeah, because yeah, they would yeah. say oh there's nothing in the rules that say this should happen you've not followed them you're at fault you can't you can't do this yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Deserves, should get a penalty and in a competitive sport, fine. I mean, I, I would like to think Mercedes should be a bit more sporting than that. And if it was the other way around, I'm sure things would be very different. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, there, there, there must be a way of doing it and getting the getting the team's agreement to do it as well, because it does seem really stupid. Because yeah, I mean, it was really unlucky that it was Science. Um, but next time around, it could be could be Hamilton, it could be Verstappen. You know, like those teams will care very quickly all of a sudden if it happens to their drivers. So. Yeah, yeah. I I did ask ChatGPT before we started recording to come up with a force majeure rule, and it came up with quite a comprehensive one that could be added. Really? So uh, I might, yeah, I might, mm-hmm. I might, I might. Uh, I sort of explained the situation, and they came up with a rule and about trying to stop teams from sort of lobbying or abusing it or stopping it. And so maybe I should just copy and paste that and send it off to the FIA, and they can thank me later when when they get that updated. Yeah. Um, let's move on from Thursday then. Just overall. Do you think the Las Vegas Grand Prix was a success? It was a lot of fanfare, a lot of hype, a lot of money into it from F1 itself. Yeah. Do you think it was a success? I do. Uh, I think it was very hyped, overhyped for sure. Um, and I think it's kind of it's quite interesting, isn't it? That you've got the kind of the hype of Formula One juxtaposed next to a lot of, let's say, traditionalist fans and drivers who I'm desperate to talk about. Uh, who weren't looking forward to it at all and just thought it was going to be rubbish and didn't think the circuit was going to be any good. Uh, and then we've probably ended up somewhere relatively in the middle. But I, I, I think it was a very successful weekend, really. I mean, it's not; it can't be easy at all to basically shut down half a city for load mm. for several hours in the middle of the night and have all these you know Formula One cars race around them and then everybody pack up and leave for four days in a row or three and a half, four days in a row. Um, and yeah, it was it was. You know, it was a great race and made a quite a really fascinating spectacle. The visuals were really interesting. Um, like seeing the cars race down the strip was really cool. I mean, I don't know Vegas particularly well, and it's never really been a place I'm too too bothered about going. But like, it was really cool, really good to see it there. Um, and I think having a few of those kind of location based glitzy races a year aren't a bad thing for the sport. I mean, I I am generally speaking more of a traditionalist. I like a good racing track that promotes good racing. But in this case, we got a pleasant surprise. We got all of that and the great location as well. And there aren't many circuits mm. that can offer that. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think I think it was a, a definite success. I think a lot of the drivers will really look forward to it next year. I think a lot of fans will really look forward to it next year. Um, I think they need to figure out what to do with the ticketing, for sure. Um, along with a few other teething issues, I'm sure, like the drain covers and whatever else, maybe even the hours that they, they run sessions and races and stuff. But in general... To, to make a race happen in a place like that must be incredibly difficult. Um, and they made it a real success. So, yeah, I think so. I think so. How about you? And Based on yeah, you I mean, um, well, I think it would have been the perfect weekend if the drain cover gate hadn't have happened, right? Mm. Um, yeah. 
I think that kind of I think I think that kind of brought it down. I also think a lot of people wanted it to fail. Yeah. So the fact it didn't and the fact that then brought up a really good race, I think is really good for the sport. And fair play to them. They took they took a risk of setting it up and they, they've been paid off by delivering a really good race in an iconic location. Like I think you're right, like it wouldn't have been the same if it'd been the Las Vegas Grand Prix, but it actually hadn't been anywhere near the strip and had been on the outskirts. I think that would have that's not the point of it. Mm. Um and I think you know it's a smart move by F one to try and tap into that lost American um audience by being somewhere iconic like Vegas as well. Um and to do it in two years as well from you know when it was announced to race start is is an amazing feat. I think you're right. I think it's really impressive. Um the comments though <laughs> Oh yes, I mean, yes, let's do this, please. I mean I mean, I think you've got a list of a certain somebody's comments from the weekend. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some, someone, someone very high profile <laughs> was very, very negative <laughs> before a wheel had even turned. Yes. So, so I mean, I don't think it's any secret that both of us have found Max winning all the races this year pretty tiresome at times. I, I think most of F1 has found that pretty tiresome. I, I think so. And the viewing figures would back that up for sure. Um, but he has been at times quite entertaining because he is... <laughs> I don't want. I, I, don't, I want to word this correctly, and I don't want to use a swear word. But like, he is incredibly prickly, yeah, in a really enjoyable way. Like, he has no filter, really. I don't think, and uh, and sometimes I actually think he's doing it to be deliberately provocative at times. And like, there are times where that's really annoying, but there are a lot of times where it's quite funny. And this weekend was one of those where he was just he was just on another level. It was like that. It was like Max on like something. I don't know what that something could be, but. It was pretty special. So I've just got a few quotes I'm going to read to you uh, from the course of, from over the course of the weekend. So whilst describing the track, Max says, "So Monaco, yes, I think Monaco is Champions League. This this is National League. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in a footballing context, that's brutal. Uh, on the Las Vegas Grand Prix, it's ninety nine percent show, one percent sporting event. Then when Toto was kicking off about everyone having a go at the race and having a go at the organisers for the drain cover gate. He said, I think if it was his car, then he would have spoken very differently, but I don't expect anything less from him. Wow. <laughs> and then on the promoter's comments, he said, these people live in their own world and that's no use to us at all. <laughs> on the $200 voucher, he said, then they make the money from it here too. If I were a fan, I would tear the whole place down. Not wrong. Yeah. On F1's priority, I understand fans needing to, uh, fans need to do need something to do around the track, but it is more important we make them understand what we do about the sport. On fans coming to races just a party, I can go to Ibiza and get completely shit faced and have a good time. <laughs> On the opening ceremony, he said, "It's not about the singers. We're just standing up there looking like clowns." Yeah. Just. Yeah, he was on one, and then when he was on the radio as well, just being like unbelievably rambunctious but then but then you say that he then was singing viva las vegas yeah. at the end when he won the race and he did seem to be enjoying his uh his elvis inspired race suit as well which i did actually really enjoy i thought they were, that was a nice touch so he, he came pretty close to getting to a latifi for singing viva las vegas because after all <laughs> for, the, for the for the three days of moaning and bitching about being there and then enjoying what i thought was quite a good race for him like he wrote he, you know, he had a pretty good race mm. benefited from the safety car for sure but made some nice overtakes uh, it was quite competitive. Got into a bit of a you know scrap with George Russell and things like it was quite a good race for him. I think he, he prefers that kind of competitive race than the ones where he just drives off into the distance, which he definitely finds boring. Um, yeah. So yeah, when he gets to the end, he gets to enjoy the win and stuff. All of a sudden, everything's great, and he loves being in Vegas. So, yeah, he came pretty close to getting LTF for that uh, that behaviour. Yeah, I reckon senior F1 bosses will have been phoning up Red Bull throughout the weekend, telling them to 
shut Max up because having your world champion shit on your <laughs> brand new race <laughs> and say like it's 99 entertainment 1% sport is really really unhelpful and it you know it did add to the narrative at that time of you know this is doom this is a waste of time what the hell we're we doing here um and I think you know I think the reason why I explain some of those comments is Max is not there to be a famous person. Max is there to do a race. Mm. So if he sees any like you know any sort of distraction, that just really really winds him up. If it deters him from being able to focus on the racing, and I think yeah, he was right. I did I didn't watch it, but I didn't need to watch it. The opening ceremony looked an absolute fast. Yeah, to have so many performers, and then they literally pop up for twenty seconds and then go back down. Like yeah, um, fair enough. Um, and I also did really enjoy. Uh, I, I think he did this deliberately, but Lewis was just saying the complete opposite of Max, and then Max heard what Lewis was saying, and it really wound Max up. That's, and he knew that Lewis was doing that. Lewis looked like he was having a great time. He was like out meeting all his friends. He was you know, promoting his new cocktail thing. Yeah. And he was saying, you know, I'm loving it here. It's amazing. Like he knew exactly what buttons he was pushing as well. Um, I, I enjoyed that as well. Um, we should talk about one part of the, the race that was actually really good. And I, I really enjoyed catching this in the highlight was seeing how they use the sphere. Mm. Uh, we talked about it in the preview episode, but you know, it's a new addition to Las Vegas, but Formula One played an absolute blinder with the way they used it. And also their sponsors using it as well. I thought that was a, an amazing, amazing thing to have, to have that dominating sphere, to be promoting some of that stuff. I think my favorite one, there's two actually, there's the SpongeBob reactions to like what was going on the circuit mm. with Paramount Plus doing. I thought that was really clever, and then I really enjoyed when it was the the face and the eyes, and it was kind of like with the helmet on. It was kind of it looked like it was. There's a clip I've seen of it. it looked like it following the cars going past it. I thought that was, I thought it was amazing. I thought was, I thought that really really added to uh, the whole spectacle. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was that was really good. It, it brings something unique, doesn't it? I think the whole show mm. makes it quite a unique race, and I think for mm. that alone, it's going to be. A very welcome addition for the to the calendar for the next well, yeah. what ten years? They've got a ten year contract, haven't they? If um, if I was Miami, I'd be pretty nervous right now because yeah. they've kind of stolen their USP right, and Miami has not delivered a good race yet. The circuit's not very good. I if I mean I'd, we don't need to analyze Miami right now, but I think they'll be very very nervous and concerned about their future. Yeah, and what the what the future of that will be when you've had such a successful race that kind of does what miami was meant to do but yeah well know. they've been t- they've been talking about new york for a long time as well haven't they they're they're, they're pretty yeah. domenicali's well, desperate we... to kind of try and get one there if you can so i think but if, they, if but they're built... going to replace one then yeah but they built they've built some permanent infrastructure now at miami yeah and they've got a contract so maybe we'll be there for a few years i know bernie eccleston was keen to go to to new york but mm. yeah maybe, maybe they'll serve their contract and then they'll disappear um we should say 315,000 fans, seventh most attended race this year. That's pretty good going. They must have all been there for the race because but the, from yeah, the pictures I because I did I watched qualifying and most of FP2 actually. Um and it was empty. I mean FP yeah. FP2 was empty by, you know, force they chucked them all out, but like qualifying in particular, there were loads of empty seats in the grandstand. So I guess the mm. race must have just been like really well attended. Yeah, and probably the hospitality was probably yeah. pretty well attended as well. Um the one thing I would like to see different next year, though, is the timings. I think it looked absolutely horrendous. And I've seen some stuff already in sort of uh, the paper this morning that for the journalists, for the drivers, for the TV crews, uh, for the pit crews as well, having been like being up so late, like they were doing Friday practice 
at one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. That is just insane. Mm. And I think it really threw them them out of kilter. And I think a lot of people said it was one of the worst weekends they've ever worked in Formula One because it was so out of kilter with everyone else. Yeah. And then it was too late for like the US TV market, but then incredibly early for the for the UK uh, and Europe as well. And I think there's a, a platform called MultiView which enables you to see multiple different like cameras at the same time in it during F1 and they said they tweeted they saw a 32% drop in usage over this weekend because of the timings of the race mm-hmm. like if they're seeing that I'd love to see what the, the TV ratings are going to be because I'm sure there's a there's a sharp fall as well but yeah just bring it bring it early I think I think I read somewhere saying that the reason why it was so late all those timings is because that slot that late night slot works really well in Vegas they use that for when they have like boxing and stuff as well but yeah. Just you know, for it's not the, quite the same as boxing because that's in an in a in arena. This is the whole city, so you might as well just if you have the whole city taken over, do it at nine, eight or nine o'clock, just a couple of hours earlier. Yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, I think there are a few things they could look at doing there. So one one is, as you say, is look at the timings because um, I mean, you and I talked in the last episode about how cool the like the F one spectacle is at dusk anyway. Like the cars look really mm, great at that time, mm. kind of time of day, and one of the main reasons they had it so late as you say is that the kind of 10 p.m on a saturday night boxing kind of you know peak vegas time kind of thing i think that's fine for the for a local audience it doesn't do anything internationally as you say yeah it was pretty hellish for the journalists and drivers and stuff and it also means that everything's happening on saturday and as you know like every race throughout the rest of the week every throughout the rest of the season the, all the races happen on a sunday and it does seem a bit odd to me that like you know they're trying to trying to deliver a Grand Prix on a Saturday when historically that's never happened. Um, hmm. And if they did chunk it all a bit later in the day, then you you could reduce the inconvenience to I guess local Las Vegans on a Thursday because you don't you don't have the cars doing practice at that time. Then you you hmm. just have you know hmm. practice session on the Friday. And it, what they could look at <coughs> sorry what they could look at doing as well if they're really desperate to make it happen on the Saturday is just just shut down just shut down the city for the day and just have qualify mm. have qualifying earlier in the day in different do conditions in day, yeah. do it all in one day do it in a day and a half or something you know fine do the practices late at night on the friday whatever but i think if you offer the drivers teams journalists fans the opportunity to either try and watch it over three days at some really un, un, unhelpful hours let's say or do it in a day and a half with one session or two sessions that are a bit unhelpful in terms of practice and then qualifying in the race on Saturday, and then the whole circus clears up and disappears before everybody wants to get back to normality on the Sunday. That could work a bit better. I mean, it makes life difficult from ticket sales and stuff, but it would be more convenient, I think. There, there are definitely some things they could look at doing to make it a bit a bit easier for an international audience to watch, um, and for, certainly for the teams and the journalists and, and everyone else. And, and it's not just teams as well. There are loads of other people that make the races happen, safety people, stewards, and the rest of it that travel around with the rest of the circus. Um, and yeah, it seems... The, yeah, some of the some of the comments online seem to be basically just like everyone was absolutely shattered like before the race even happened. Um, yeah. So yeah, we don't really want to see that. I mean, yeah, it's late in the season as well. Like a lot of them are probably suffering fatigue. More races this year than any other time, any other year before it. More next year. Like it's, yeah, it's it's not an easy sport to be a part of, and they probably should do some small things to try and make life a little bit easier. Yeah, well, I think it's a twelve-hour flight to Abu Dhabi. Yeah, so that's going to completely wreck their body clock. Yeah, and one week, and then, one week between the two as well. Just yeah, think. yeah, they'll be they're on the flights there now. Um, and then also, um, apparently next year it's the start of a triple header, so they're just going to be absolutely wrecked for the for the next two races after that. But uh, 
Yeah. So I think that concludes our chat on the race. Now let's come on to the predictions game. Yes. Um, and as so, Sam, I'm going to give you a drum roll. Get ready. Okay, I'm ready. Hang on. Here we go. Who won this week? I won this week. Hey, congratulations. Uh, I, I needed how, a big. How many? I needed a big win. I have not got a big win. Okay. For one for okay. one reason only, and that's Esteban Ocon, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, so you had Alex Albon. Uh, you predicted him to finish in sixth. He ended up finishing twelfth. That was looking pretty good for a while, Albon. And yeah, then I, the Williams went I thought backwards. Qualifying, you know, I thought qualifying was going to happen, but yeah, they did go backwards. Yeah, they went backwards. So you got six points for him. You had Valtteri Bottas. You predicted him to finish in fourteenth. He ended up classified seventeenth. So you picked up three points for him. And then you had Yuki Tsunoda. He predicted to finish in twelfth, and he ended up eighteenth. So you picked up six for him. So for a total of fifteen points. Oh I Not had uh, Carlos Sainz, who was very unfortunately penalised, but thankfully drove a really good race and finished in sixth. So I picked up two points because I picked, I, I predicted him to finish in fourth. I then had Nico Ulkenberg, who I predicted to finish in fifteenth. He ended up classified nineteenth, so I picked up four points for him. And then I had Esteban Ocon, and this is what's cost me big time. Uh, I predicted him to finish in twelfth. He ended up fourth, drove an amazing race in a shit car. Uh, <laughs> and I picked up eight points for a total of 14. So I've won, but I've only won by one point. Wow. Um, wow. So the gap is now 18 instead of 19, and I need a miracle next weekend. It could it could happen. I mean, there's we've not had anything close <clears throat> to 18 as a difference at all this season. I think the most was 11. Okay. So, so I need, it's unlikely. Incredibly yeah. unlikely. I mean, unless you get Max predicting P1 and he gets taken out turn one and finishes 20th, I'm struggling. I think I think I need if I predict the top either I pick the predict if I get the top three and they come twentieth, nineteenth, eighteenth, <laughs> or if I get the back three and they come first, second, third. That's I think in my mind the only way you can win. But um, yeah. well, here we go. This is it. I mean, it's it's not mathematically impossible. So we we fight on. You know, it's still a bit of doubt. You could get it close. Okay. You know, eleven. If you got an eleven swing, that'd be impressive. Uh, with seven points after what, how many races have we done this for now? Uh, oh, good Most question. Of them? Most of them, yeah. I think we started 17, after 18? three or four, so so about seventeen then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven, seventeen races, and to be this close is not a bad going. No, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I think we are generally pretty consistent. Um, I mean, and look you, at this week. Might... I mean, we only finished one point apart. We both had terrible weeks, but only one point apart. And you, you might be able to get a good Red Bull bit of merch in the uh, Cyber Monday deals. Yeah. Yes. Uh, at least they haven't won every race, so I don't have to buy some commemorative Red Bull oh, 2023 yeah, season true. merch. I that's can just true. get something. I'm t- I'll, have, I'll find something suitable. I'll, tell you, I'll run it by you as well. Make sure you, you're happy that it's an acceptable Yes, yeah. yeah, It can't be like a fridge magnet. No, no, no. No, it'll be something I have to wear. <laughs> I won't wear it out, but it'll be something I have to wear. On the first, the first of, recording I, of the next season, I'll wear it. Nice. A can of Red Bull you got to drink. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Do you want to uh, know Let's who you've go. got? Let's do it. Okay. For the final time this season. The final Big time. moment. Okay. You've got Oh, first of all, you've got Daniel Ricciardo, number 17. Oh, I think that's the first time I've had him since he's been back. Um, no, you, had him, you he... had him in Brazil. Oh, did I? You oh. did. Um, I reckon he will finish 10th. Oh, points for Danny Rick. Okay. Yeah. Oh, number 20. Oh, okay. That doesn't count. Liam Lawson. That would have been really funny, oh. though. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah, so because yeah, look at that. It's so weird because we've had so many different drivers this year. They've, uh, there's a 21 and a 22. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Can you remember the only driver not to score a point in Formula One this season? Nick DeFries. Yeah. Poor old Nick DeFries. Right. Does, doesn't that feel like a long time ago he was in the sport? It does. Oh, you've got Bottas again, number 15. Oh, God. I'll go 15th. 
This is weird. I'm getting really low low numbers again. Or like, yeah. That's okay. Number ten. Oh. Oh hold on. What did you say for Bottas? I said fifteenth. Fifteenth, okay. Uh number ten is Daddy's favourite boy. Ooh, Daddy's favourite boy, Lance Stroll. Um see, I don't think I don't think he'll get fifth again. I think that's um, unlikely. Um I reckon he'll get eleventh. I think he would finish just outside the points. So I I don't think I can win with that roster because I needed you to get a front runner that so DNFs. Then, yeah. I think. I mean unless unless, unless, unless Valtteri Bottas wins the race. <laughs> and and Lance Stroll is second on the podium. Yes. Uh short of something absolutely like you know, something mad like Leclerc or Verstappen or Hamilton mm. or whatever, like having a crash and being taken out in the first lap although unlikely, feels much more plausible than any one of these three drivers massively <laughs> overperforming your prediction. <laughs> well, I mean, you never know. Lance Stroll might turn up. Yeah. Danny Rick could be, could be on form. Okay. I've got, oh, number 18. God, they're all that. Oh, Ooh, that's low. That's, oh, that's, that's not a good one for you. No, it's not. That is although, not I mean, like, they've been generally pretty rubbish, haven't they? Yeah, they have. <sighs> Them and the Haas have probably been the joint worst. I'm going to go... Doesn't much happen in Abu Dhabi? There aren't many crashes and things, are there? I'm going to go 17th for show. Number seven. Oh. Oh. Charles Leclerc. Wow, he's seventh in the championship. Blimey. He is. He is. Uh, how many points is he behind Lando now? He is only seven points behind Lando Norris and 12 behind Fernando. So yeah, Ooh. good weekend. Could see him finish in top five. Yeah, 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 potentially That'd be good. Uh, Hamilton's yeah, Hamilton cemented third in the championship, and Not then bad. Sainz and Alonso both on two hundred. The race for fourth place Ooh. in the world championship Ooh. between the two Spaniards. Uh, right, where's Leclerc going to finish? Um, Abu Dhabi, Ferrari are quite good. He's very unlucky though. I'm going to go fourth for Leclerc. I thought that's a safe. That's a that's a safe one. You've covered you've covered off either a podium or a a mid a mid points finish. Oh no! Oh, that's a disaster. Okay, that's the, that's the face of a man that's just lost. <laughs> number five, Fernando Alonso. Ooh. Although he's technically level on points with Sainz, I don't quite know why he's fifth and Sainz is fourth, but it's fine. I'll take it. Uh, I would have preferred Sainz, I think. Um, is it because it would be probably in count back on race wins, won't it? Yeah. Yeah, of course. And Science is the only non-Red Bull driver to win a race this year, isn't he? Yeah. Yikes. What a season. He'll be that be the pub quiz question. In the year 2023, who won a race that was not a Red Bull driver? Yeah. And you know Singapore is the only circuit that uh, Max hasn't won at the last two years. Oh, I did not know He's that. He's won all the others, but not Singapore. Oh, what a shame. Um, right, Alonso, stop stalling. Uh, that Aston's not bad now. I'm going to go... Seventh for Alonso. Yeah, I'm not. That's I'm fair. not. I'm not confident. I'm not confident. I mean, if you get a perfect weekend, so if you score zero, yeah, but that still needs you to get 18 points, and you had a pretty terrible weekend this weekend, and you got 15. And you got 15. I mean, the oh, last the last two weeks, like we've not been great, right? Like Brazil, it finished 14, 16. Vegas, it finished 15, 14. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. I mean, it's not impossible, but. The odds are in my favour right now. Okay. How about uh, if I score a perfect 
triple donut. My points get doubled. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that that would be incredibly no, harsh. No. That's too harsh. Uh, the merch I select to buy. Oh, there has to be some kind of stipulation here, doesn't it? What would it be? It doesn't have to be Red Bull themed. I'll give it some thought. Yeah, okay. I'll give it some thought and we can chat about it in the okay. week and then we'll reveal to the listeners what we've agreed. What we've come up with, yeah. Um, okay. I mean, it's incredibly unlikely we've not really come that close, have we? I think we've had three as the lowest score Yeah. this year. But then this this could be the weekend, this could be the weekend. Okay. I've got to find my and way, I've got, to, I've got to weasel my way out of having to buy a Red Bull t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and, and do you think Max will win? <laughs> yes. I'm not asking you who's going to win, I'm going to ask you, do you think Max will win? Yes, <laughs> probably, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, unless that. unless there's some next level Lewis Hamilton justice that sees him win the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, lay there all those ghosts to rest, and then come back next season and win the World Championship, you know, that's the dream scenario. That would be the dream scenario. Um, but we've not seen any drop off in form from Max, and he does like Abu Dhabi. He's always done very well in Abu Dhabi. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, even on a weekend where he's not brilliant, the car's not brilliant, he picks up a penalty, he still manages to win the thing. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, and how does it feel? We come to the end of the season. Does it feel weird that we're, we're approaching the final race, or are you kind of glad for this season to be over? Uh, well, I'll be glad when next season starts. I think more than I like that. Yeah, like, that. like I've really I've enjoyed the podcast very much. Will mm. it's been very good. Mm. Uh, we're going to continue doing this, aren't we? Even after the race is finished um, next weekend, we'll do some yeah. through the winter. Um, yeah, I'm looking for. I'm. I'm still. I'm still enjoying it enough that like I'm really buzzing for next season. But yes, I think there's probably a point about halfway through this season where it felt very inevitable. Um, and so it's proven yeah. Thanos's runoff from the one. What, was it eighteen? Did you say it was eighteen races he's won now? Nineteen. Eighteen or nineteen? Yeah, yeah, he could win his nineteenth next year. Uh, next year, next weekend. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, how about you? You, you still you? Um. I, yeah, so I've probably for a while been like ready for the season just to be over, just so we can have something change and we can have different people winning. Like I'm bored with the Max winning narrative. But I think the second half of the season has picked up a bit. I think it's probably been more fun the second half of the season than the first half. Just has been a few more interesting more things have happened and the gap has, has closed. Yeah. So it's felt more like a contest. Um, but when I, as I was sort of this, start, this morning thinking about the end of the season, I thought, oh, blimey, we actually are here. Like it does feel like. I don't know, maybe because of the podcast, it's like, oh, you know, we've, we've reached the end of the season. Blimey, it feels like a quite sad for the season to be over. But yeah, I'm probably more excited. I'm more excited for the start of the next season like you are than I am for the sad this season being over. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to see where, what we get to cover next season in the podcast and uh, how many race winners we get to see. Um, but hopefully it's more than three. Yeah. Three different ones. Yeah. No, I think, I think we'll, well, we'll do a proper end of season review maybe every one or two episodes actually after Abu Dhabi mm. um, and um, yeah think about talk talk a bit about what we're excited for next season but I think we, we, we need there are a couple of drivers that we, we desperately need to be in competitive cars to give Max run for his money next year yeah we will be watching pre-season testing like Hawks yes. and praying to the gods that we have a car that is competitive that is not just a Red Bull <laughs> please let it happen please, please we beg you all right uh, I think that brings us to the end of the episode thanks very much for joining us remember to subscribe and leave a review on your podcast platform of choice if you enjoyed it why don't you share the podcast with a friend hopefully they enjoy the podcast as much as I'm going to enjoy my three drivers scoring zero points for me next week <laughs> and finding me weaseling out of having to buy a Red Bull merchandise for vast at vast expense I might add um, after uh, losing the predictions game to Will inevitably um, follow us on Twitter at Lights Out Lads on Instagram we are at the Lights Out Pod 
Yes. Abu Dhabi next. Last one. Yeah, Abu Dhabi next. The last one. Um, and that brings the end of today's episode. That's all from us. All the best. And goodbye. Pray for Sam. Mm-hmm. <laughs>